Perfect. Okay. I think Sam just joined. So perfect. Awesome. Welcome. Hello. 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 How are you? Doing good. How are you? Awesome. Nice to I'm see so you. I'm so good. Yeah. So good to see you. I'll do a little intro and then we'll dive right in. But hello, everyone. Welcome to checking in with the change makers. Um, and this is with Be the Change Media Network. This is the second episode. So you're kind of my second guinea pig. Samuel, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, my name is Lily Mott, and this is the show where I get to catch up with past guests of Be The Change podcast. I have been hosting the podcast for over three and a half years now, and my guests have done some very exciting things since I talked with all of them. So this is an update on their work. And as I said, my guest today is Samuel Schwartz, and he is a gun violence prevention activist and a gun violence survivor. I interviewed you back in September of 2023, and that was episode 167. So I'm really excited to talk with you about just all of the work that you've been doing and learn what you've been up to the past couple of months. So let's dive in. So how are you doing? Um, I'm, I'm doing good. Okay. I'm, I'm honestly just trying to work on managing politics stuff with, okay. with life, which is very difficult. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll talk about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would love to have you get started by just introducing yourself a little bit like you did on the podcast. I know that that was a very quick introduction and i don't think that does you justice so tell me a little bit about who you are and what you're doing um yeah so my name is sam schwartz um i uh i'm a gun violence prevention activist i got into this work um because my cousin alex schachter was killed in the parkland shooting and that was five years ago now and it's going to be six years and like six days i think um so you know for the past five years um, I, I've done a lot of activism work, and it takes it, it, that's it, it manifests in many different forms, whether it's like speaking or lobbying or making phone calls or organizing. I think activism it can be many different things, and um, really, we've just it's been a constant struggle, I would say, to get these laws passed. It, it's not easy, and the wins that we've had have been hard fought, um, and you know that's that's kind of why this work is so difficult. Um, it's not at all, I mean, I guess maybe when it started, I kind of thought like, okay, so now we'll just go and get change. Like, it's way easier said than done. And it's not that easy. So yeah, I mean, it's very difficult. Yeah, but it, yeah. the, the change that has been um, brought to pass has been because of the work of activists. Mm -hmm. um, so while the work is difficult, it, it does need to happen, um, like routinely. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, definitely. So tell me about what you've been working on since we talked. It's only been a couple of months, so <laughs> there's no pressure for it to be anything drastic, but tell me what you've been up to for the last couple of months. Um, well, I've been working on planning a tour um, across the country and we're stopping in currently red swing seats um, with the goal of flipping them blue. Um, and this is just because, um, like I said, uh, it's so difficult to get these laws passed, and some of them um, are not possible to be passed in this political climate. Um, most you know, the things that we've passed, they've been good, but it's nothing that's really going to curb gun violence on a significant level. Um, so things like an assault weapons ban or expanding universal background checks or implementing safe storage laws, um, even red flag laws, those things, um, which generally are not law nationally, um, which need to be, and if we're going to make any substantial progress on gun violence prevention, um, those things will not happen with any sort of Republican um, leadership. And currently we have uh, Republicans who kind of control one, not kind of, they control the House of Representatives. So um, it's not possible to pass the Senate and it's not possible to pass the House right now. Um, so in order 
to get these laws passed, which it needs to happen. Um, we're just going to go around them and start electing more Democrats in these swing seats, um, because at, at this point, I, I don't think they are they're not playing ball with us anymore. It's just obstruct, 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 and they will object to every single law that comes to pass without without even hearing it. Uh, and th and they know that these laws are going to decrease gun violence. Like statistically, like we have the data to prove that they will decrease gun violence. It doesn't matter to them. The one thing that matters to them is profit. So we have to get them out. And at, at this point, it's not even just like, hey, can you can you please vote yes on this bill? It'll save the lives of like a kindergartner. They don't care. Um, they don't. It, that, that kind of language does not resonate with them. You just have to go around them and, and vote for someone else who is going to vote yes. And it, spoiler, it's not Republicans. How has the 2024 election cycle impacted the work that you're doing? How is that making a difference? I mean, with, with Trump running, I think every day I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I would say like I sometimes I'll go on Twitter and some massive earth shattering thing will happen. But most of the time, it's been pretty substantial wins by Democrats. Um, I think tomorrow there's going to be the New York's third congressional district race which to replace George Santos. Things like that, um, where Democrats really are chipping away in terms of messaging and communications towards Republicans. I mean, they are losing on every single front. The Democrats have outraised them by very large margin. Um, the Biden campaign is doing an extraordinary job of showing people the contrast between him and Trump. And it, but it's really not even about him and, 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 and Trump. It's really about like the issues that Democrats are bringing to the table. And it's like the policies are the most important things. Like when young people, you know, young people hate Republicans with a passion, but they also don't love Democrats. Like it's not something that they're going to go out and support somebody just because they're a Democrat, they're going to support a Democrat because they're voting yes on protecting reproduction rights, or they're going to vote yes on like, you know, an assault weapons ban or something like that, or, or something that's going to like combat climate change. It's not just because they're Democrats. And so I think we've done a really magnificent job of showing the contrast between one party, which is just beholden to corporate interests, and they're just straight up insurrectionists who want to just divide this country to the point of the Civil War. And one one party which is working for American families and it's it's Democrats. I mean that contrast is going to be so important in like in the narrative of 2024. That cycle absolutely depends on messaging. And in order to win messaging, we have to work with young people and get them out to vote. And that's how you get them out to vote. Who are some of the politicians or the candidates that you kind of have your eye on that you think are doing something right and that you're kind of following along and are helping the issue? Um. I honestly think it's the majority of, of, of Democrats. I would say the younger ones, like, you know, Maxwell Frost, do a really, really great job of showing the insanity of the of that other side without being totally cruel. I think what Republicans have, they've totally lost the, they've lost any sort of semblance of being a party that is fighting for people. I mean, when, when, when we talk about things like the border, for 20, I mean, that's their bread and butter issue, right? Like for 20 years, they've been saying, we are going to strengthen the border, Biden border crisis, whatever. And now that now that Democrats and the Biden administration are pushing for a bill, we have a bill, now they block it because they don't want to give him a political win. And so when something like that, when something like that happens, I mean, we can't just be like, oh, whatever, it sucks. You have to really, really like hit him where it hurts. And there's a book that I'm reading called Hit Him Where It Hurts, which is all about like using strategies like 
mocking them in, a, in kind of like not like a cruel way which is what they do but being like you wanted this for 20 years now you're obstructing it because you don't want to give the other side a political win doesn't seem like you're fighting for the american people it seems like you're fighting for yourself which is what they're doing but the majority of americans have no clue that it happens because you know they're, they're watching the nfl and they're doing fun things and politics mostly is not fun um it's very arduous like annoying work um so people that do a really great job of it are people that are listening to their constituents. So it's really the youngest members of Congress are the ones that are the most in tune with people. I would say the oldest members of Congress do a really bad job of understanding what people want. And I would say the older Democrats, I think, still kind of think that they can, that, that Republicans are going to be, they're going to exist in good faith. I think at this point, it's just not, the, the party has fallen into a complete, I don't even know. I don't even know if there's a word that this, that describes how far they've fallen. Um, the, the Republican Party of the '80s, where it was kind of like, okay, we're gonna Democrats and Republicans are gonna have some core fundamental differences, but it, it's not going to be over like abortion, or it's not going to be over like, are we going to arm mass shooters or something? It's it's it was about like how much money are we gonna send to the military and like how much how much money is the National Guard getting this year? Stuff like that. It was like like squabbles over like taxes, and now it's like. Is, is Donald Trump going to be on the ballot when he's a, literally a, a convicted rapist? Like, that's the difference we have now. Um, so they've completely fallen into, I don't know what the word is. I don't have a word. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I don't know if there is a word that exists to describe them, but I would say the older Democrats, I think they kind of push policy way too much than politics. And there needs to be a, a very healthy balance between policy and politics. You have to understand that, like, in order to win on a policy stand, you have to push politics first. You have to have people understand why it's so important. So, like, for example, something that we did last summer was um, the the uh, sit-in to, to ban assault weapons, and really what we saw from Democrats was an un from Democratic leadership was an unwillingness to to move on that, even though we had a, a Democratic majority in the Senate. And finally, they did move on it. But we were saying, like, this is a great opportunity to show what a Democratic-led Senate will will bring. Like, then when you have Democrats in power, they are going to move on gun gun control legislation and Republicans are going to block it, which is exactly what happened. But that is an example where you need to use politics as a way to push policy. And you can't have one without the other. I think that's something where, de where older Democrats kind of struggle, but younger ones are really, really, I mean, they just get it fundamentally. I think younger politicians, especially Gen Z, um, kind of, this is the Republican Party that we've always grown up with. So that's why we just hate Republicans. But like, I, no one remembers a time when it was generally people in Congress were not insurrectionists. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist anymore. Um, so yeah. What are your thoughts on just when you're talking about older Democrats? What are your thoughts on Biden's work so far? For gun violence prevention and his thoughts i guess going forward tell me a little bit about that so it's not all older democrats that struggle with, and by the way when i say older democrats i don't mean like they aren't good on the issue i mean that mm -hmm. they maybe struggle with like things that i think they should do in terms of like politics like i've I, mm -hmm. what i meant by that was like some like maybe dick durbin and and chuck schumer sometimes i feel like mm -hmm. they should do more in terms of mm -hmm. like pushing the narrative and really going against republicans i feel that they still want to be bipartisan in some ways. I'm not saying that you can't be bipartisan, but in, in, in something like gun violence prevention, it's not going to happen in any substantial way working bipartisan. So, but in terms of the Biden administration, they've done a fantastic job at, I think he's been the best president on gun violence prevention since Bill Clinton, at least in the last 30 years. I mean, 
if you would have told me when he won, I think when he won, I was like, yeah, I'll be a good president. He's been outstanding. He's totally blown my all my expectations away. Not even on just gun violence prevention, but the economy has not been better in a very long time. Um, it, it, it's really remarkable what he's able, what he's been able to do. He avoided recession. Everyone said, all experts said, oh, it's, it's definitely going to be a recession. It wasn't. Um, in terms of gun violence prevention, though, um, something that was really important was the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which was a kind of an early-ish thing that he passed in, in his administration. That was outstanding. I mean, that was the first federal gun legislation passed in 30 years. That's a major win. Um, he brought Republicans to the table on that. And yes, it doesn't go far enough, but it's still a massive step forward. Something like the Office of Gun Violence Prevention, which has passed, which thousands of activists and, and family members of victims from across the country asked for, for the day one of his administration to when it finally happened, I think late last year, that's a massive step forward. He takes daily executive actions, maybe not daily, but very frequent executive actions to combat gun violence. He kind of will do what, he'll, he'll use everything in his power to, to curb gun violence. He routinely and all of his speeches and all of his addresses to the nation talks about how important it is and like what a goal it is of his administration to take steps to end gun violence and basically i mean the point is if he had a democratic congress this would be done um and that's something that it, it's been very clear is that they're listening to young people and that they understand that they, they're trying to get other people to understand that yes he can only do so much like sometimes people go okay well he's been president for three years why hasn't why isn't gun violence ended? Why is there no assault weapons ban? And I'm like, it's really not that simple. I mean, you have to you have to elect more Democrats to the House, and you have to expand the Senate. Um, but in just if we're just talking about what Biden has done, it's been plainly incredible. He, I mean, appointing uh, VP Harris to being the director of the Office of Gun Violence Prevention is just outstanding. It's brilliant, um, and they fully understand just how important it is to voters on the issue of gun violence prevention, and they've been the best in the last 30 years by far. So when you're looking at the summer and getting closer to the election, what are your plans? What are your projects that you have coming up? Uh, tell me a little bit about that, what you're, what you're looking forward to into the future. Um, do you mean like for next summer's tour? Um, I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell well, me about that. The thing, the thing that I'll be the most occupied by is, is doing this tour for, ne uh -huh. for next summer, um, which, as, which, as so I mentioned, is summer of 2025 right 24 24 oh, okay okay so this is summer. Yeah. this is meant to flip seats going okay. into the presidential election i guess not the presidential election it's the it's mm -hmm. the november election um so this, this is meant to flip currently uh, republican toss-up mm -hmm. seats i call them like low-hanging fruit districts because a lot of these districts are very very like i know winning any election isn't easy but if we if we held up in one hand marjorie taylor green's district that's not a in-play district for Democrats. You're not going to win. But versus Arizona's first congressional district, which is a toss-up district, which means Republicans or Democrats could win, and we don't know. That's something that is very, very like conceivable to win. Um, so really focusing that those districts are the roadmap to taking back the House and making change on gun violence prevention, on abortion, on climate. So a lot of times. I mean, more majority of Americans, probably 99% of people have no clue that these districts exist. And, you know, if you ask someone on the street, do you want to end gun violence? They'd say yes. But like, how do you actually do that? Um, marching and rallying and lobbying is only one part of that, because when you don't have a Congress that's willing to work with you, all of your cries for action are going to be they're going to fall on deaf ears. You need to have people in Congress who are going to listen to you. And currently, we don't have enough of those people. Um, so that 
you know, we're, we're going to hold a rally in each of these districts. I think it's so far like 25 districts and it's 25 districts that are toss ups or it's a little bit lean Republican. Those are all ways that we can get more people who are for for the American people in Congress so that we don't have to get, plead to Republicans to find some sort of soul. They don't have a soul. It's, it's gone. Um, so we have to go around them. So that's what I'll be occupied with next summer. What is the planning like? for this tour? Have you been reaching out to people who are local to those areas? Are you doing kind of a national team that's gonna go with you on the whole thing? Tell me about the logistics yeah, of that. Um, so we have a, like a, a core team of, of Gen Z leaders and activists from across the country on a lot of different issues, not just gun violence prevention. Um, and I, like weekly we get on calls and just sort of plan out what needs to happen and, and what good steps that we took this week were um, but it's not going to be a large group of people traveling from place to place. I think like maximum eight or nine people. It doesn't matter about who's going there. It just it, the the most thing, the best thing we can do is meet people, meet voters where they are in these districts, um, and kind of really show them like how not even not even talking about gun violence prevention. Everything that's at stake in this election is the most severe that it's ever been. I mean, if we're not even talking about abortion or climate or, or gun violence prevention or the economy, Trump poses an existential threat to everything that has ever happened in America. I mean, I mean, his very existence, his very being on the ballot, to me, is is like in opposition to what America was founded on, which is like no one's above the rule of law, anyone can be held accountable. And his argument of I'm immune no matter what, which was just held to be not the case yesterday i mean i mean it's ridiculous that someone would would vote for not okay taking away the, the insurrection stuff the guy is a literal convicted rapist all you that's all you should have to say not vote for him that's, that's not enough though sadly um so i mean everything that's on at stake this election i think is the most consequential that it's ever been i know sometimes people are like this election is the most important ever anytime where trump has been running Yes, it is the most important election um, until he's not running anymore. Then then we can kind of like relax a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as far as advice that you have for change makers, especially during this important time, I think it's so important for anyone who I mean, the first thing is to vote, of course, but anyone who's interested in getting involved in any sort of organizing and any sort of change making, this is the time. What advice do you have for those people who may want to get involved, but they may not know how to do it? Same question I asked you on the podcast, but maybe some updated advice. What advice do you have for those people who may be listening? Um, in terms of, like, if somebody hasn't done a lot of organizing work or activism in the past, I mean, you can literally do, you can, you can do anything you really want to. You don't need to have a huge platform to organize in, in your community. Like, you can get your best friends together and, like, hold a rally outside City Hall. You can, like, put up flyers and say, we're doing this and we're going to protest whatever or we're going to advocate for a bill. You can, you can schedule meetings with city council members, with members of Congress on Zoom, with state legislature people on Zoom or in person. I mean, anybody can, can schedule a meeting with a lawmaker. Um, you don't have to be famous to do it. Um, you can hold voter registration drives in your in your communities, like outside publics. I don't know if you can do it outside publics, but I'm assuming you can. But you can hold voter registration drives anywhere, and you don't need to be famous to do that. You don't need to have money to do that. You just have to understand like what the laws are in each city or district or whatever. Um, but I, I think something that a lot of people need to understand, and I think most young people do understand this, is that you're never going to engage young people if you start talking about the middle class and tax breaks and all this stuff. Like, that does not relate to young people. I would 
it just it's it's going to go right over the head. Um, you need to make politics fun and interesting. That's going to be the way that you engage people. Um, so if it's not something, and obviously that doesn't mean like make gun violence prevention fun because that issue is not fun. But you do need to make it engaging for people. And when you use a lot of like political lingo and like start talking about the bill numbers and stuff, it really makes it hard for people to get interested. Mm -hmm. And and the last thing is that you need to show people that change is possible and that you need to have you need to keep hope. Um, Something for me, um, it's when you're talking about just gun violence prevention, it is like you're climbing Mount Everest. There is so many steps that need to be taken in order for success to be had, right? So it's not, it's not as simple as, like I mentioned, just going up to some member of Congress and Republican and being like, hey, can you please do this? Because they'll laugh at you. They'll, they'll say no. I mean, we called um, just just in Florida, the, they, they, so after Parkland, there were three... Uh, like really big gun violence prevention bills passed after Parkland. It took a mass shooting to do that, but good that they did it. Now they're trying to reverse that. So one of the bills that was passed was raging the age to buy a gun from 18 to 21. That's what it is right now. Now they're trying to strip that back to 18, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, we called some, and Florida is a very, very red state in terms of the state legislature. I don't think that it's actually a red state. I think it can be blue. Um, but in terms of the state legislature, it is red. And there's no denying that. So we called members of the state legislature and we're like, please vote no. I mean, that's all you can do. Please vote no. Talk about why it's important to you. And uh, their staff actually laughed at us and said, no, we, we support this. And, and they know who they're talking to. They're, they're talking to family, families of victims. And so that is so, it, you, you feel like hopeless. And it feels like, you know, like, what can I do? My God, this guy just laughed at me. Um, and they're like an elected official. Um, you need to vote because... We're finally at the point now where the gun violence prevention movement has been making way, way much more progress or considerable progress, consistent wins, and the gun um, the the gun lobby is the one that is losing. I mean, the NRA they're they're bleeding members, like they're losing millions, I think, a year. Um, they are not what they were 20 years ago. They don't have the power over over Congress that they used to. And so, for the first time ever, states, federal, cities are actually going around them and we are the ones making change so if we are not transmitting to voters that you need to have hope and that this is what's on the table and it is a possibility then we really can't expect them to go vote and like why should we i get it it's very very like politics is like a dirty word for some people um so we need to make it relatable and we need to make it hopeful and um if we don't do that then we risk um everything i mean we we risk 45,000 more Americans dying next year due to gun violence. And the way that we can go about that is by really, really showing people how important it is to go vote. Um, an example that I like to use is like, there's a lot of butterfly effects that can come with Republicans winning that you might not even expect. So for on the surface, yes, they're going to pass bills that suck and that are not good for normal people. But on a more substantial level, and I think this is actually more consequential, Trump winning in 2016 allowed him to place, I think, three Supreme Court justices um, that are extremely conservative, extremely biased towards him, MAGAism, Trumpism, whatever you want to call it. They're not regular conservatives. They're extremist, far-right people, and they obviously have a strong bias. I mean, right now, the um, SCOTUS is ruling and I, if Trump can can be on the Colorado ballot, and literally Clarence Thomas, who is a who is a Supreme Court justice, his wife played a role in that insurrection, and he's ruling on it. Of course, that guy has a bias. Like he should he should mm -hmm. recluse himself from that. 
Um, but he's not going to. And so Trump winning allowed him to put people um, like Brett Kavanaugh into, this, into this, the Supreme Court, who by all means is not a serious person, and he's just a far-right puppet. So things like that, really telling people, like, you don't go out and vote, and all of these things can kind of spiral out of control just because there's a Republican president. I mean, it seems so insane that somebody can kind of pack this, pack SCOTUS with all, I mean, um, but a majority of Americans don't know that. A majority of Americans don't know which party controls the House, which party controls the Senate. Um, but majority of them, some people could name you every NFL player on, on, the, on the Kansas City Chiefs, right? So like, you know, that's kind of what we're dealing here. And so the way to do that is by making it hopeful, making it fun and interesting, and, you know, just kind of telling this, telling personal stories. That Those are the three things that you can do. And then just always be out in your communities, like engaging people, door knock for a candidate, register people, hold meetings with your lawmakers. I mean, you can do really anything. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would suggest. Yeah, I love that. I think I think that's that's great advice. And I do think it's so important to just raise awareness about all of this. I think even stuff that you're saying, hopefully people are listening, you know, and hopefully this will reach some people um, and raise some, some more awareness. But what are the best ways for people to connect with you and to support the work that you're doing? Um, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, I post a lot on Twitter. Um, you can follow me there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not even just me. Like, you should really pay attention. You should watch the news more. Um, it's, it's not me. I'm not a member of Congress. But you, I think a lot of people need to understand, like, why, why things are happening the way they are. And it's just the answer is always Republicans block everything. That's just the answer for everything. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. I'll link everything in the this is going to be posted on the podcast feed too so I'll link everything in the description and let people know where to find you and hopefully you know reach out and um, support the work you're doing because I think it's going to be so exciting to see everything over the summer and to follow along with your whole journey but thank you so much for coming on and I'm so glad that we got to catch up and thank you to everyone who's listening watching this or who's listening to this episode after the fact if you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at be the change org or on Instagram at be the change podcast. And like I said, all of Samuel's details are linked as well. So tune in for a new episode of the podcast next week. But until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for coming on again. This was so of course. Fun. Thank you for having me and have a great rest of the Awesome. Awesome. You too. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.